Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 155. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Hope that you are having a great week. Uh, looking forward to some warmer days here in Ohio. It's been like 32. Uh, but I know down south, some of you guys are already after those spring gobblers and enjoying uh, the woods, and I just want to wish you good luck. Be safe out there. Uh, my brother is actually getting ready to hop on an airplane this coming weekend and head to Louisiana, and uh, he's going to meet up with my cousin Lane. Lane usually shoots a bird or two every year, and so I'm, I'm hoping to hear some stories from them, maybe have them on the podcast. I have a crazy Cajun on here before too long. Uh, Next week, I'm excited. I'm going to be talking to Daniel Mummery and Joel Fulton, uh, my two favorite Australians. Uh, They're going to be telling some of their recent uh, hunting adventures that they've had in Australia. So looking forward to having those guys back on. If you'd like to come on the show, this is a podcast for the average Joe, for the person who hunts just normal times whenever they can get out there. I'm not looking for pros. I'm looking for guys that just love to hunt and can tell a story about what's going on. Send me an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. We'd love to have you on. I don't have any like big stories. Um, I guess the biggest story is, uh, like I, I think I mentioned this last episode, my wife has mentioned to me that uh, she would be willing to go along with me on a turkey hunt. And I know some of you guys might think I'm crazy for even trying, but it's just... Uh, <laughs> You know, I love to hunt, and I think, and I love spending time with my wife, but those two things don't go together most of the time. Uh, my wife, I don't think she'd like deer hunting at all. The sitting, the waiting, just doesn't, being cold, uh, I don't think would be great. But I do think uh, she would enjoy spring turkey hunting. Um, she's mentioned before that I, she doesn't maybe have the same, like, uh, fondness of turkeys because <laughs> they're ugly. <laughs> uh, I think they're beautiful in their own little ugly way, but... Um, She's, uh, I think, more willing to shoot a turkey, and so anyway, um, we're going to give that a go. Um, she said she had, she wanted to do something with me. She was willing to go, so we're going to try that this year. Still going to be able to hunt with my buddies, and I'm looking forward to that on opening day. Um, I actually applied to some mentor hunts. Ohio has some different areas where you can go and apply and take somebody who's never been hunting before. I don't even know if, I'm not sure if they even have to buy a license. I think if I get drawn, I can take her as... Um, you know, my mentee or whatever, and we can go hunt for like a weekend on one of these special wildlife areas. So apply to three of those. Um, if you're listening to this today, those closed in the next couple of days. So if that's something you might be interested in, it's $3 to apply. You know, Ohio has several controlled hunts that are available. And um, usually those those main hunts, they get a lot of applicants. Um, but this mentor hunt's brand new this year, I think. So I don't know if it'll have as many. So uh, you can check that out. Um, but yeah, looking forward to those sorts of things. Um, my buddy Trav says, I just like filling out applications. Um, <laughs> he's like, that, that just must be something that you get excited about. Cause I got that awaiting my elk, um, draw results, uh, in April. So good things on the horizon. Guys, I want to thank you so much for coming back. If this is a repeat, if you've listened before, thank you so much. If you haven't left a rating and a review, if you're able to do that on wherever your podcast player is, would greatly appreciate that over on iTunes especially. It helps draw in the attention, more folks listening, and um, just keeps things fresh. And greatly appreciate that. And once again, if you'd like to come on the show, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. We're going to jump in with our guest. We have a repeat guest today. His name is Benjamin Hotchkins. Uh, and you may know Ben from episode 79. This is the guy that started hunting in, I think it was 2020 is when we had him on. And he had only been hunting for four years, but killed 11 deer. Um, Ben loves, uh, just the thrill of the chase. He hunts for meat, uh, to feed his family. And so, um, we have a great conversation about how that number has increased since then. (laughs) He's been able to do it with a bow, do it with a gun, and he's got some pretty good stories uh, some amazing stories, in fact, of one one deer that was very, very close to him. Um, and so we'll uh, let him tell those stories. So we're going to jump in. Here is Ben Hopkins. Well, he's been on the show before. If you go back to episode 79, we talked about 11 deer in four years. And uh, excited to have him back on the show. Well, joining me tonight is Ben Hodgkins. Ben, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. It's uh been raining like crazy today, you know, some tornadoes in the forecast, but I, I think those have passed over. So I think we're doing okay. How about you? Uh, not too bad. No tornadoes up here in Southern Maine. Thank God. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we got the rain. We got rain coming in tomorrow and it's going to be with us most of the weekend from what I hear. So, yeah. yeah. Have you guys had any like good spring days yet up there? Or is it still pretty cold? 
Yeah, we've had like probably three days in the 70s, and then the next day it jumps right back down to below freezing. So welcome to New England. Yeah, like, uh, Ohio's <laughs> maybe not as extreme, but we've had a little bit of that fluctuation too. It's messing with people's sinuses and things like that. So. Yep, yeah, New England, you can prepare and bring a winter coat and shorts all in the same day because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Just wait five minutes. You see what happens. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. So last time you were on was, I believe, like July of 2020. So it's been a little while. It and, has. Uh, I'd encourage people, I'm not going to rehash all that episode. It was a good one. We talked about how you kind of got into hunting within about four years. And in four years, you're able to take 11 deer, uh, some neat stories about a, a mended relationship. And we talked about all that. And it's just a good one. Um, kind of give us an update on where things are with you guys now, where, where you, you moved, I think. Uh, so talk a little bit about that and your job and kind of give us a background as to who you are and what's going on. All right. So um, my wife and I moved from Exeter, New Hampshire, which is in southern New Hampshire, um, over to Berwick, Maine. So now we're in southern Maine. We didn't move too far, about 40 minutes or so. And still over at Sig Sauer. I've been there just about four years now. I'm a, machine, I'm a machinist over there. Oh, cool. And we have now 12-year-old twins and an almost three-year-old little girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, life's busy. Still still at the church. I'm, on, I'm a board member at the church and teach in Sunday school. My wife and I both teach in Sunday school. And um, I lead prayer on Sunday nights. She's involved still with that group rise. If people go back and listen to the previous episode, uh, talked a little bit about that and they've since opened up a house. They got all the funding that they needed and um, they are taking in girls that are aging out of the foster care system. And so they have girls living in that house now and things are going well. That's cool. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I came out of doing some foster care a few months ago. And so that's, man, that's a much needed thing. That's really cool that your wife does that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And cool. we're also um, home, home openers to students that go to a discipleship program, um, discipleship program slash leadership school at our church. And we're home openers for students that are in that also. Good. So well, that's good, man. Sounds like you guys are busy. We are always busy. <laughs> There's always something to do. And I mean, personally, I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. If I have five minutes of downtime, I, I go stare crazy and I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, I the same way. I've learned to like it a little bit, but I like, we, we stay pretty busy too. We have, like, especially on like Tuesdays, uh, we're running from uh, ballet, from ballet over to, to swim lessons. And then we're about to add some soccer practice to all that too. So Tuesday's kind of our busy run night and yeah, yeah I, I get that. So, and yeah, you got twin, twin 12 year olds. So what's that like? Uh, busy. <laughs> um, my wife homeschools them. So she's busy with that throughout the day, plus the three-year-old. And then she also nannies for uh, twin three-year-olds. So she's always extremely busy. Um the twins have always wanted to do 4-H and get involved with that with showing steers or something of the sort. They didn't really know exactly what they wanted to do. They just knew they wanted to be involved. And so this year, they each have a set of steers and we're jumping into that whole playground. So Yeah, man, that's exciting. From what I can tell right now, between 15 and 20 fairs this year and different shows. So it's going to be a busy summer for sure. I said no baseball this year. You guys got to pick one. <laughs> got to Either commit. So they committed to the ball. steers. They committed to the steers. Uh, that's cool, man. I grew up, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of episodes and I don't know that I've ever mentioned the fact that 4-H was a major part of my life growing up. Um, you know, I uh, started in Clover Buds. So there was a local chapter nearby. We, they were called the Sunshine Lollipops whenever we started. I was never fond of that name. And then we changed our name to like the Wild and Crazy Kids. I like that a little bit better uh, rather than being a Sunshine Lollipop. Um, but, <laughs> that, was, but, that was a show on Nickelodeon back in the day, wasn't it? Wild and Crazy Kids. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we had that and it was fun. My mom was an advisor for a while and we, we really got into uh, showing pigs that became our thing. So we'd go, we didn't okay. travel to all the, the, all the fairs. We just did the, the Monroe County, good old Monroe County fair. There's not a whole lot there uh, as far as like entertainment goes, but it's a, 
it's definitely a community fair and every year I look forward to showing pigs. We got into that pretty serious. We would take pigs and I'd get into the show. I won showmanship and reserve champion, never won grand. My brother did one year and my dad, he was, he was ate up with all the pig stuff. So that's, that's cool. <laughs> so you're about to go down a wormhole, man. It's, it's fun, but it's, it's there's a lot to that. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a learning experience already. And um, it gives the, I think it's good to have the kids to have something to work towards too. You know, yeah. I told them that as, as big of a commitment it is as it is from them to be up there and wanting to practice and going up there so many nights a week. And um, I said, as much of a commitment as it's going to be from you guys, me and mom got to make the same commitment to be able to bring you up there and going to all the fairs and taking time off of work and paying yeah. for all of this stuff that I wasn't prepared to pay for this year. And <laughs> yeah, um, I said, it's going to take sacrifices all the way around. So I said, man. if you guys are committed to it, then we'll commit to it too. Oh man. They've, that's, they've, that's awesome. they've kept their grades up and they've been, I said, if you guys act like normal, respectful human beings, then, <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, we'll make this happen. And so far everything's going great. So. That's good, man. I think they'll they'll definitely look back as I look back at that right now, and I, I'm appreciative of my dad and the amount of hours that he spent trying to give us good fair pigs, you know. And I mean, he he spent some money on it, uh, money that he probably didn't always have. And uh, you know, this coming week, actually, when this podcast comes out, is his four year passing. So kind of a little tribute to him because he really did put a lot of effort into not just me for 4H, but also all the other kids there. He helped uh, redesign the the pig pens and he did a lot of work up there and just, um, yeah, the fair was what we kind of lived for. So that's pretty cool. Yep. I think that your, your kids are going to definitely appreciate that in the future if they don't already right now. Yeah, absolutely. And they have, we have uh, maple weekend coming up this weekend. So that'll take up, um, all of Saturday and then Sunday when we get out of church, we'll be heading back up there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then the following week, we're actually heading to Florida for a family vacation. And then, Weekend after that, we're actually going to be going up to a different farm that helps out a lot with 4-H and helping them paint their barn and all the kids are going to be there helping out with that. So That's just cool. giving back to people yeah. that are pouring into their lives. So I love that, uh, man. That's it's good. good for them to get to learn that now. That's good. Well, I, I, it's been a while. So a few years have passed. And so I'm going to guess uh, that you've probably got some more stories up your sleeve as far as you, you started hunting uh, i guess would have been what 2016 is that kind of when you got your start remind me on that yeah i think it was right around there i think i was 30 maybe 31 yeah um and i think i'm gonna be 36 this summer maybe mm -hmm. i don't know i lose track it's not really a an important yep. birthday to remember so it's kind of an in-between one so <laughs> well you got me you got me questioning i think i'm I think I'm 35. I'm going. I think I'm going to be 36 too, Ben. I can't remember. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's I'm just either 35 or 36. Yeah, you know, it's not 30 anymore, and not quite 40 yet. So, I'll ask my wife. She knows. Yeah. All right. So, how's the hunting been? Tell us some hunting stories. What's been going on there, man? Uh, hunting's been awesome. Um, last year, well, since that that fall that I had talked to, I guess that was 2020. Um, one of my friends from church had hunted a little bit with a couple of buddies when he was a teen and he had never shot a deer or anything. And I said, well, let's go out. He said, all right, I'll grab my license. And so I had been, I had hunted this spot a few times and it's up on a hill. It's an old cow pasture and it's all overgrown now. And then there's a hardwood ridge. It's all oak trees and um down in the bottom it's a little bit swampy and i'd sat up there a few times and i'd seen some deer down in the bottom but nothing had come up into range so i says well we'll go out there and see what we can see at least get him to see something anyways and keep his interest in and that way i could see how he walks in the woods and see how much i have to teach him along the way and um so i found a big oak tree that i had sat under a few times and I said, I always see deer while I'm sitting here, but nothing's coming close enough. But this morning, we're going to hope for the best. And he goes, all right, sounds good. So I sat him there, and it was just legal light when we got to the base of that tree. I said, I'm going to go down the ridge a couple hundred yards, and we'll sit here for a couple hours and see what we see. He goes, all right. So I sit him there. I leave him there. We cleaned out around the base of the tree so that he could move his legs a little bit without 
making any more noise, you know, in the moment, if that moment were to come. So I'm walking down the tree line along the pasture and the tree line. And I just got to the base of the tree that I was going to sit at. And I hear boom, boom. And I was like, that was Mitch. And I knew exactly where that shot came from. And I hadn't even, like I said, I was just about getting to the base of my tree, not even there yet. And I turned around and looked and he's standing up and he's waving his arms and he's, he's pointing downwards and kind of pointing at me. And I looked and there's a, a small deer. Well, not, I shouldn't say a small deer. I don't want to take that away from him. Um, they're all a trophy. Yeah. And there, so there's a deer bounding towards me and yeah. then it stopped, it stopped bounding. And so he starts running towards me and I start walking back towards him. Really cold, frosty morning. Every single little tiny leaf sounded like a dump truck coming through the forest. And uh, so we'd pretty much got to that deer at the same time and he had shot a four point. And he goes, I, he goes, as soon as you got out of sight, this deer came to my right and he shot this deer at five yards. It went right in front of him, had no idea that he was there. Oh, wow. And he put two rounds into it with his 12 gauge and that was all she wrote. Um, nice. That's you know, awesome. I, I should. Oh yeah. I mean, he was psyched. I was psyched. He's taking pictures and sending them to his wife and his, and his father. And I've known his family for a, a really long time. And yeah. his father ended up passing away that year, hmm. um, that fall and really unexpectedly. And, yeah. You know, his father, his father was one of my youth leaders at the church that I still go to now. Mm. And uh, just a super nice guy. And so we send in pictures to people and I was like, well, called my wife and I was like, that was the shortest hunt I've ever been on. And uh, so we dragged him back to the truck and went and registered him. And, well, and that's your buddy. That's his first hunt. That was his first hunt in years. Okay, it's been a while. Okay. Yeah, and like I said, it was his first ever deer. He had he had never shot anything when he had hunted before with his buddies, mm-hmm. and uh, so he was like, "It's not it's not always that easy, is it?" I said, <laughs> "No, it's not." <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was I was just so happy for him, and I was so I was so happy that I got to be there with him, and yeah. You know, he was just so appreciative that somebody took the time out and took him out and yeah. was showing him stuff. And he and I hunted together the rest of the fall too, and mm-hmm. um, late season archery and everything else. So something neat, awesome. something neat about that. I mean, we've talked a lot on this show about taking kids out, and that's really cool. But I also think it's kind of neat to take. For me, I, I've enjoyed the last couple of years. I've been able to take out some adults that are kind of new to hunting my brother-in-law uh got into hunting and so got to sit in the tree with him as he shot his first deer and then my buddy Corey, it was there whenever he shot one last year and then this year i was up in the tree and that deer came into the corn pile like while i was setting up his stand and he shot it you know so it's just i don't know those are just some fun fun moments too i think it's neat to take guys out and give them that chance and maybe they missed it when they were younger or things didn't go well but kind of give them that opportunity that's that's pretty cool oh yeah absolutely and i mean you know, I was, I was 30 when I started hunting and, you know, my little brother was the one that took the time out and, you know, was, we were always outside growing up, but mm-hmm. hunting just wasn't something that we had done. Yeah. And so just him showing me different sign and what it means and how to read sign and stuff like that. And if you don't have somebody that's willing to take the time and teach you that stuff, you're, if you don't, if you don't know how to learn it on your own, it's just, you're never going to do it or you're just going to get frustrated and quit. And, yeah. um, unfortunately hunting, especially with a younger generation is something that's a, it's a dying, I don't want to say a dying art, but I guess a dying hobby, a dying passion with, with people. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think the more buddies you can have to go hunting with and swapping stories with the better. Yeah. I'd agree. I, I, I balance this a lot. You know, it seems like in the last couple of years with COVID, there's been a lot more people out on public land and there's been more, more hunters as far as pressure goes. I don't know if overall if the numbers are up. I know in Ohio, there's been more. So I felt sometimes there's a little tension about, okay, how many more guys do we want to get into this? Cause they're taking our hunting spots. But I, I think collectively um, 
if we want this to be our, for, we got to think long term. It's so easy to kind of fo- fixate on us. You know, this is my hunting experience, but I want I want hunting to be around for my kids and their grandkids. So the more people that we get connected, that's more people that are going to help vote. You know, there's people that are anti hunting, and we need we need numbers, honestly, to combat that a little bit. More people yeah. that are into hunting, taking advantage of public lands, people taking advantage of hunting opportunities. So. I think it's it's still good. I, I still have that desire to take guys out and get them out in the woods and, and, and do that just like you did. So that's that's a good thing. Yep, absolutely. I think it's um it's needed. And you know, it's it's not even just hunting, it's you can relate it to anything. You know, even if if you're training somebody new at work, well, if you don't train them right, then they're not gonna do it right. Mm-hmm. And it's still gonna come back on you. You know, I mean you just gotta you just gotta take time and love on people and show people the way that you know, if, if they're willing to learn, you got to be willing to teach them. That's good. I think you mentioned a little bit ago, uh, this word we use a lot in church, but the word is uh, discipleship, you know, yeah. uh, that's kind of a, a term that we use being able to train somebody. And then it's, it's a, almost like a step further than that. Can you train somebody that can train somebody? You know, I think if we just train one person to hunt, okay, that's good. But can you teach them how to teach as well? You know, get other folks involved and, and pass it along. That's, that's good. Yep. So it's, um, just touching on that real quick. Um, last fall, my wife and I hosted a small group, um, Bible study at our house. And, um, you know, the, the church was kind of asking for a, a host family or a, a host house, I guess, and then someone to lead. And my wife was like, well, I'd love to host, but I don't want to lead. And I said, well, good because i don't want to host but i don't mind leading and, uh, <laughs> you know a couple of the couples that we had had from before came back and they were like hey can this couple join us also um so obviously they liked it before and you know they were bringing in more people so um yeah you know you have to be able to you have to you have to remain teachable while you're able to teach people and it's and in return um, it'll just keep growing and becoming really fulfilling the great commission, which is what we were called to do anyway. So, yeah, that's good. I, I really like what you're saying there. I think, I don't know. I think it's just easy, um, for us just to kind of go through the motions. We do our th- in America, United States, everybody just kind of worries about themselves. I take care of me, Ben, you take care of you. And that's kind of how we run our churches, too. It's kind of like we show up, see each other on Sunday, say hi, we're cordial, we might play fantasy football together, but that's about as far as that goes. Yeah. And I think we, we've done the same thing. We've had a lot of young couples come to our church, and we're like, is there a way that we can kind of get – I mean, Sunday morning, I mean, that's you can say hi, and it's nice, but it's not, it's not a place where you can really form a deep relationship most of the time. So we started trying to take another step and have folks over to our home, um, and we, we – have some snacks and we just kind of do a little study together and just share life and laugh. I mean, there's nothing too, too heavy about it, but uh, just a place where we can pray for each other and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's huge. It's, it's needed. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, even, you know, going fishing with a guy from church that maybe you know him really well, but um, maybe you don't either, you know, but it's just a great time to, you can talk and still have, um, guy conversations and real meaningful conversations mm-hmm. and while you're sitting there throwing a lure out you know yeah just um, to get away and just to really you can really get to know know somebody really well that way and make long-lasting meaningful relationships so funny story on that real quick and i'll let you get it back into your hunting stories but yesterday actually i just did that uh, there's a, a younger guy that um he's taken me to some fishing spots of his and so yesterday I'd planned on being in the office, but I, uh, this, this guy asked me if I wanted to go fishing with him. And I was like, it's 70 degrees. I've been itching to go. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So, <laughs> so I took off with my wife. I'm getting my stuff. And she's like, man, must be nice. I was like, listen, I was like, this is discipleship, Kate. This is an opportunity <laughs> for me. She's like, are you sure that this is discipleship or is this you just wanting to fish? And I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. both are happening at the same time. So there's no two, two birds, one stone. Why not? There you go. go. Yeah. We're still, um, we still have a lot of ice up here, so we still have most places still don't have ice out. So, um, 
fishing is slowly getting there, but it hasn't really hit my agenda yet. Not that I've had the time to anyways, but um, almost there. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, last podcast, 11 deer in four years. Have you been able to add to uh, that, that count in the last couple here? Yes, sir. Um, I don't know why. I don't really know why God chose this specific area in my life to bless me so much, but, um, I've just been really fortunate and I've gotten another five deer over the last couple of years. Oh, wow. I think four with my bow and I got my first ever deer with a shotgun. Oh, cool. Um, So yeah, I don't know where you want me to go from there, but (laughs) <laughs> well, we're a stories hunting pod or a hunting stories podcast. So give, give us some stories, man. Tell us how you got you got right. those five or whichever ones rise to the top for you. All right. Well, um, I guess the there's probably the first one after I was on the podcast last. Okay. Um, my son and I were out walking and we we're looking for a new spot to put a stand. And I liked the area, but I was really indecisive on trees no matter really no matter where we were in there the wind was going to be proper generally anyways and he was like well dad what about that tree right there and I said you like that one he goes yep I like that one right there and I said all right well that'll be the tree so we put the we put a two-man stand up and he and I had hunted it a few times Um, we had seen deer out in the field but they were just kind of taking a different route to get to the field and where we were set up and then one night he wasn't feeling well and I asked my wife I was like well do you mind if I still go out and she goes yeah that's fine it's you know we're just going to be chilling here at the house and I said all right so I went out and sure enough I don't know I don't know why this particular night but I had two deer come in and uh two good sized does and they came to within eight yards of my stand and I saw I had seen them for probably 200 yards off and they just made their way up the tree line inside the tree line from the field and walked straight up to my stand and I was like well I guess you're gonna be dinner tonight and um took my shot and I'd been talking to the guys that I butcher with and uh there's like eight of us that get together and pretty much from opening day through the end of the season we butcher two deer on Tuesdays and Thursday nights and uh, we have a ton of deer up here and New Hampshire is pretty liberal with their tags. I think you can see there's six or seven tags a year. If you buy, if you buy them all um, per person with all the seasons. So we've always got deer to butcher during season. And that's awesome. we We were just talking one night about, do you stop a deer before you shoot it with your bow? Do you just let it keep walking? And, I was like, well, I always stop them. And they were like, oh, don't do that. Just, you know, as long as you lead it, and as soon as you get that deer within your peep sight, let your arrow go, and you'll you'll be right there every time. And I was uncomfortable with that way of thinking only because it was just foreign to me. I hadn't, I had never done that. I always, I had always stopped deer. And I was like, well, this deer is that close. I'm going to let it walk. And um do what the guys had told me to do and try it that way and when I did I I ended up shooting a little bit far back and it ended up being a gut shot yeah Um, and I was just I mean I was beating myself up my called my little brother and he was like yeah I'm just a couple of towns over hunting and he goes it's starting to rain up here I knew that there was rain coming in he goes it's starting to rain here so I'll zip down there and we'll get on the trail I said, all right. And so it had been probably an hour, hour and a half. And we got on the trail and started looking and then it started raining. And I was like, this is not good. And we looked for probably three and a half hours that night. And I said, well, it's going to pour all night tonight and it's going to pour all day tomorrow, but I'll come back tomorrow when I get out of work. It's cold enough out that I don't have to worry about the meat spoiling at all. And we will uh, see what happens. Yeah. So I knew this piece of woods really well. It's a small piece, major roads all the way around it. So I wasn't worried about, um, wasn't worried about it crossing the road. I, I was 
pretty confident in where it was going to be bedded down. So I went back there the next day when I got out of work, and there she was laying right there. Nice. No animals had gotten to her at all, and she was. That's good. You know the the meat was nice and cool, so. Man, so what's your what's your uh, reaction now? Are you, are you kind of going back thinking I should stop deer, or are you thinking maybe I should just done that better? What how how do you react to that advice now? No, I. I was kind of mad at myself for doing something that I wasn't comfortable with. Mm. Um, You know, I kind of knew better. I can't say that I knew better because I'm still learning all the time about, you know, this whole hunting thing. And um, I should have just stuck with what I was comfortable with. And yeah, really, that was it. I should have just stuck with what I was comfortable with instead of trying something new. Um, Maybe even practicing out in the yard and like, slowly moving my bow over until I see my target and then releasing and trying it that way, maybe. Um, but I, I, I think I should have done more for the animal. Um, you know, had more respect and, that's and a, I did. Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, um, I get what those guys are saying. Cause there's, you know, you put a deer on alert, there's always that issue of, okay, they could jump the string if they're out any, any further than, you know, 25, 30 yards. There's the, they can duck and there's issues there, but I'm, I tell you what, I'm, I'm usually a, a guy that wants to stop a deer. I, I, if they'll stop on their own, great. You know, um, you know, if they do it naturally, that's, that's probably the best, but I I've always kind of felt like I know myself. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. If you know that you can take that shot and you practice it and you feel confident and you're able to kind of hold it together. But for me, there's just so many things that you're focusing on and that deer moving, um, uh, you know, that's, that's tough sometimes to make that shot and pull that off. So that's cool that you recognize yeah. that. Cause I think that's where growth comes from. Like learning, okay, I shouldn't try anything new unless I practice a lot and I can get myself to a spot where I feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was like, well, at eight yards, you know, it's going to be, um, there's less of a chance of it jumping the string, you know, if I stop it. And I was, I don't know. I just, I was thinking about it way too much as it was happening and I should have just stuck with what I knew and um, I didn't, but in the end it, it did all work out. So um, I learned from it. I grew from it. And the next one, two, three deer that I shot with my bow, I stopped every one of them. So, um, so it worked and I watched all three of those deer drop. So um, I haven't had an issue with it. So that was good. You said you got your first one with a gun. How did that, how did that go down? Uh, so this was my first shotgun deer. Um, yes. I had killed a couple with a muzzle loader. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. That big one that we had talked about last time, that was okay. my, still my first and only one with a rifle. And so I, I had bought a shotgun and I was like, well, let's give it a shot. I was over in a spot that was shotgun only. Um, I didn't have a, a, um, bow license it was over for Maine and I I only had a firearms tag so I was hunting up my this guy that I've done some contract work for and still do on occasion and um he goes oh yeah he goes you can park right in the driveway and head right out back and I said sweet you know it's it's public land but having a spot to park is key in in this area so yeah um I said you know I have no problem giving you steaks or whatever you need he goes nope i don't eat it but they're eating my plant so take them out <laughs> i said okay so this was over in maine and all i had was a buck tag and i was like you know i've hunted this place a few times now and i end up walking out a couple of miles and it's rolling hills and it's a lot of pine trees and a lot of swamp it's just a it's a really different area than anything else i had hunted before um I love hunting swamps, but the rolling hills, I like steep rolling hills, um, was different. So I was like, but every time I go all the way out there, when I'm coming back to my truck in the dark, I always jump deer in this area. So why do I always walk all the way out there to not see anything, (laughs) to jump deer in the dark and have them blowing at me? When I could just sit right here. That's a really good question. <laughs> you know, and I was like, stupid, what are you doing? You know, I just, I, I couldn't figure out why I kept doing that. Um, 
And I was like, maybe it's just because I want to be further away from all the houses. I want to be out in the middle of nowhere. And I don't know. I couldn't make sense of it in, even in my own head. So so I sat down where I always jumped the deer. And I'm sitting on the ground. I had on my grandfather's um, black and red check wool jacket, freezing cold night, wind right in my face, swamp out in front of me, probably 30 yards. And then the swamp kind of wrapped around to my right and almost behind me, but not quite. And then it was off to probably my 11 o'clock. So really I was expecting stuff to either come out from in front of me or off to my left. And so I'm sitting there and I, I was like, what was that noise? And I was watching a squirrel where I was sitting. I was sitting at the base of a tree, pretty much right on top of a 30, 35 foot drop off. And I was watching a squirrel jumping down in the bottom, right on the edge of the swamp. And when the squirrel was up in the air, I heard leaves moving. And it, and it dawned on me that I wouldn't be hearing anything with the squirrel in midair. And I was like, well, that was weird. Where did that come from? Sure enough, off to my left, probably 250 yards, I see a doe cresting the top of this hill and then she goes down into a valley. Like I said, it's rolling hills. Probably every 60 yards or so, there's a new crest of a hill. And then it goes down. It comes back up. And she'd come up. She'd be gone for two and a half, three seconds. She'd come back up. Just kept doing that. And she runs up from my left and then took a hard right probably 20 feet before she got to me. I was like, what is on her tail? And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything. And then I heard burnt, 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 burnt. And that was the very first time that I had ever heard a deer grunt and know that it was a deer grunt. I've heard stuff in the woods before. And I was like, I think that was a grunt, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And I'm deaf in my right ear. So I was glad that it was on my left hand side so I could actually hear it. So that was cool. Um, and then sure enough, I see a deer right from where I saw that doe the first time, 200 and some odd yards out. And he is just nose to the ground. Burr, 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 burr. He must've grunted probably, I, I would say 50 times in the matter of this 20 second encounter. Um, just continuous. Burr, burr, burr. And he oh, comes nice. up. Instead of taking that sharp right where the doe turned 20 feet away from me, he comes straight up and he gets to the top of that hill where I am. And I was like, okay, I got to lift my shotgun up. It was laying across my lap. So when he went down in one of the valleys once, I put my left knee up so that I could steady my gun on it. And he comes up and then he goes back down another valley. So then I get my shotgun onto my knee. And when he goes down into the next valley, I lower my head down on it. And I was like, okay, when he gets to the top of that one, I'm going to shut my safety off. Cause then I, you know, I'm comfortable with that distance. So I shut my safety off when he goes down into the valley and I'm just waiting for him to come up and make that turn. Cause he would have been broadside. And, uh, he never turned. And I was like, what is he doing? He's going to, he's going to run me over. So I, I didn't know if I should move. I didn't know if I should just sit tight. I didn't know what I should do. And the whole time, he's still nose to the ground. Burr, 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 burr. And he ends up coming up and sniffing the end of my shotgun barrel. And he's looking me dead in the eye. No he's way. Got, he's got his head cocked. And he's literally sniffing the end of my shotgun barrel. Oh, are you kidding me? Point that I, I have my head down. And I'm, I'm getting ready to take a shot. But right now he's frontal on to me you know and i'm like i don't i don't want to shoot him in the face you know be like your first buck on that deer drive you know shot him right between the eyes <laughs> yep i was like uh i was like come on buddy you gotta back up that's what i'm thinking to myself and then all of a sudden it was like he blinked and he was like oh my word this is not a good situation and uh so he backed up like three feet and put his nose back to the ground and turned broadside and one shot and he was done i stood up real quick and i racked in another shell and he dropped probably 30 feet away from me 
and that was it and i was like holy smokes did that just happen oh my gosh that's crazy man i mean he just came in so it was the it was the first time i had ever shot a deer with my shotgun it was the first time i definitely heard a deer grunt and it was the first time i've ever actually seen a buck chasing a doe um that that first big buck that i had shot um he was walking with a doe but he wasn't like running after her pursuing her you know he's just staying with her right this guy was flat out like a lizard drinking you know he was just he was on and uh it was it was so cool and i, I called my wife right away and she goes it's still daylight so you must have shot a deer because you wouldn't be on the phone otherwise and i said yeah i did and she goes sweet send us a picture i'll see you when you get home and you know, she, she loves the meat, but hunting's just not her thing. So yeah, she's as supportive as she can be in that way. But, um, you know, I, I, I sent her pictures and the kids, the kids ended up calling me and dad, that's awesome. You know, look at him. And, and it was, it was a spike. Um, you know, I don't, I don't hunt for antlers at all. I hunt for meat and, you know, that was, that was the one that God, brought to me that day literally brought to me that day yeah right out to you and, uh, i mean just it, it was the coolest thing ever you know and i so i i got him out and dragged him over to my truck and showed the the guy whose house i had parked at you know i, I stopped back at his house and showed him and called my oldest brother and he didn't pick up and i was like oh he's probably still out in the woods and then probably an hour later or so, my brother called me and he goes, you're never going to believe this. And I go, what? He goes, I just shot my first deer. No and I way. was like, no way. So my, my oldest brother, he's four years older than me. Um, he had been hunting for a couple of years, you know, late, late bloomer as far as hunting goes, same as me. And uh, shot his first ever deer right out behind his house. It was a doe. And he was so excited. And I was like, oh, what do you need? Do you need help? You know, do you need help? Do you need a tutorial for dressing it? Do you need help dragging? And he was like, no, I think we're good. And I says, all right, well, I'm coming over because I just shot one too. So, you know, I'll show you my spike. You show me your dough. This will be great. So it was, it was an awesome night for sure. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's so <laughs> cool. I can't, I mean, that's, that's a pretty close encounter right there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I don't, it doesn't get any closer than that unless you got to, you know, finish one off with a knife or something. But, oh my yeah, goodness. I mean, that was, I mean, I, I could smell his breath and the wind's blowing and that's all you could smell was deer dander. And, yeah. um, oh, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Really yeah. fantastic. That's cool. It, there's nothing like, a, a, I mean, it, it could be a spike. It doesn't matter what it is, but whenever you experience rutting, rutting activity i don't know just it it really excites me i remember a few years ago um i was up in a stand i was still hunting out of a hang on at that point and it was just early light and this buck comes in and i he's just letting out like sounds that i've never heard before and in retrospect i probably should have shot this buck he wasn't like a giant or anything he was you know eight point good buck but it was I, at that point i was still thinking i need to hold out for like a giant or whatever and i eventually decided to kind of let that let that go but I just remember that moment. I got some really cool video of him making a scrape and there was a doe out in front of him and same thing. He was hot on her tail and just making all kinds of noises. And I tell you, it just, it gets your, your heart elevated to experience that. And just, it's just pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and it, I don't know why this doe was so far ahead of him, but like I said, she was probably, I don't know, 20 seconds ahead of him anyways, ahead of the spike. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, she was running, you know, for all get out. And he was, he was too. He was just that far behind her. I don't know if he was just tired from running other does or what, but. Um, She's playing hard to get maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I had set myself, um, not just for myself, but I had set two goals last year. I wanted to take my first ever buck with my bow and I wanted my son to get his first deer. We're still trying to get that. That didn't happen last year. Yeah. But I was able to get my first ever buck with my bow last year, also. Nice, man. Well, you got to you got to tell us that. Let's let's wrap up with that one because I want to hear how that uh, went down. Um, so this one's actually it's a it's a pretty quick story. Um, when we moved over to Maine, because we're only 
I don't know, maybe a mile from the New Hampshire border. So I was still hunting in New Hampshire and my son and I had driven past this field one night and there was a bunch of deer way out in the back. And I said, Gavin, it's supposed to be rainy tomorrow. Let's come over here tomorrow afternoon when I get out of work and um, we'll just sit and see what comes out because we had never been there before, you know, public land. And um, I said, we'll see what happens. The season was probably still, I don't know, three weeks out or so. And I said, we'll just see what happens. So we're sitting in the tree line on the edge of this field, probably, I don't know, 500 yards off the road. And we were sitting for maybe three minutes. And I said, Gavin, look across the next field. And we looked and we pulled up our binos and it was three bucks coming together. And one we thought was a spike. We couldn't really tell. The other ones we could see antlers still couldn't see how many points they were. They were, they were still a ways off. And they ended up making their way through that field, through the field that we were sitting in. And they came to 40 yards and ended up bedding down in the middle of this field while it was drizzling rain out and just hanging out. And I was like, well, it's getting dark and we got to, you know, we got to head on out out of here pretty quick. I was like, but I don't necessarily want to jump the deer. So we'll just try to sneak out. So we ended up crawling on our hands and knees back through the tree line through the next field behind us and then walking out onto the main road, probably a half a mile just to get back to the truck so that we wouldn't spook these deer. So only time we had ever been there. Like I said, the season was still three weeks out. And uh, so when season came in, I was like, well, that's where I'm hunting. You know, my son wasn't hunting with a bow yet um, or still isn't, but wasn't hunting with a bow. So in New Hampshire, bow season comes first on September 15th. So we were out there, or I was out there, I should say, set up where I thought would be a decent spot. And the first night I'm sitting out there, I'm just about dark. There's probably eight minutes of legal light left. And generally I would have, I would have already been climbing down because I can't see that well that time of night, just because it's legal light. To me, it's not always ethical light. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where I was right on the edge of a field, I was like, I don't have to worry about it being too dark out there. I can still right. see in the field and feel like I can make an ethical shot. So, like I said, eight minutes of legal light left and I hear something behind me and I grab my bow and I stand up. And out comes one deer, out comes two deer, out comes three deer. And I was like, could that be those bucks? And they came out probably 70 yards to my left and ended up feeding straight down the field right to me. And I, I was like, I don't even know if it's, if it's still legal light. And then I could see antlers as they were getting closer. And I was like, it is those bucks. And two of them ended up splitting off to the left and going out towards the middle of the field. And one of them kept coming straight. So I pulled my phone out of my pants pocket real quick, looked at it. And I was like, yep, I still have legal light. And I shot him at, I don't know, I think it was 18 yards and watched him crash. He ran straight ahead and crashed just outside of the field. And uh, I was like, no way did I just shoot a buck with my bow. I didn't even, I didn't care what size it was. I was just like that, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't hunt for antlers. If it's, if it's got a big rack and it's, you know, considered a wall mount, great. It'll go on the wall. If not, it's still going in the freezer no matter what. <laughs> and uh, so I climbed down real quick and I'm, I'm all excited and I go over to it. And it was a little basket nine point, um, you know, less than a hundred inches. But I was like, I, I don't care. That's not what it's about for me. And yeah, uh, I had my Tacticam on my bow, but it was too dark to pick up anything on the video you can see my my luminoc flying through and then sticking yeah. into the ground there's a complete pass through but other than that you really couldn't see anything um just some heavy breathing from me and some you know a little bit of oh my word did that just happen oh that's so awesome yeah and uh, so i called my wife and she ended up dropping the twins off at the end of the field and they just followed the beam of my flashlight all the way to me and you know shared in the moment so that was pretty cool Oh, that's cool, man. That's exciting. Getting that first one. And, uh, there it is. Now here's my question. You, you didn't say that. Did you stop this buck or did you kind of shoot it while, shoot him while he was walking? Nope. I stopped this buck. 
There you go. <laughs> I had done that with that other one. Um, that was the year before, you know, the year prior. That was in 2020. Um, I'd shot another one with my bow. I think it was the last week of the season. And because we do – the way that New Hampshire does it, they do a bow season. And then I think – and then they do a muzzle loader and then rifle and then another muzzle loader and then a week of bow to finish it off on December 15th. And uh, so I'd shot two in 2020, both with my bow. And the second one I stopped and that one I also watched drop. Um, so yeah, I've, I've stopped all of them since. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so, good, man. So you learn but, from those mistakes and you get your first yeah. buck with a bow. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So I had that after I, after I shot that little basket nine, um, you know, I went, I brought him to my buddy's house, had him hanging in the cooler. We usually let him hang for seven to 10 days. And uh, so the next night I went back out the exact same tree, exact same field, everything. And this time, as soon as there was like a half an hour of light left, you know, that just that twilight coming in, um, I stood up and I had my bow in my hand. And five minutes earlier than the night before, two deer come out of the field in the exact same spot. And I was like, there is no way that that is two bucks from the night before coming in almost the exact same time, exact same um, trail. They came into the exact same field and sure enough, it was. And one of them split off and went out into the middle of the field and another one came straight down and I shot him within three feet of where I shot the one the night before. No way. And this one was a little six point. Yeah. And I was like, no way. Two bucks with my bow, same tree. You know, back-to-back -back nights, shot them within three feet of each other, and it ended up dying, I would say, 10 feet from where the one did the night before. Wow. It was phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> so I, got, I had those three bucks last year, that spike, basket nine, and that basket six. Um, oh, I, was, I was so excited. You know, it was incredible. You still sound excited. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, I, I love telling these stories. You know, I mean, I can talk turkeys, deer, bass. I don't, you know, bass fishing. I don't care what it is. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, it's every time I tell the story, it's like I'm back in there again. It's like it just happened. And what I love uh, about you is you shoot what makes you happy. You know, like you've you've said it. Like it's it's not about the rack for you, and for some guys, it is. And I, but I hear a lot of guys. It seems like there's so much, so many guys that feels too much pressure. I don't know if it's social media or just big buck TV or what it is, but there, I think we've kind of taken the fun out of hunting sometimes. And, you know, if guys want to pass deer, go for it. But I think the main point, you sound like a happy individual that there's, you're just tickled. And I, I think that's what people need to experience. So whatever you're doing out there, I think hunters need to keep that in mind. Like, am I happy doing this? Like, am I happy passing these deer? Am I, do I want to wait? You know, what? You know, what brings you joy out there? Um, you know, I, I think that's that's critical. I, I think it's awesome that you have that perspective. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I, I post all of my um, deer kills or turkey kills on, um, you know, Facebook or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I'm a um, moderator on New Hampshire bow hunters. And I'm like, if you don't like what I shoot, I don't care because you didn't pay for the tag, you know? Um if you don't like it, I'm not going to invite you over for dinner. I don't care. <laughs> you know. So um, if you want to shoot a bigger deer that's got a tougher steak on it, go ahead. I like to cut my steak with a fork. <laughs> yeah. so, it's a little more tender. More tender. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's you and you and um, Travis Shire were talking. It might be episode 80 or somewhere is around in there. Um, hunt your hunt. Yeah. You know, and that's. That's what I do. I like you said, you know, I shoot what makes me happy. I shoot what's going to go in the freezer and feed my family. And yeah, I don't, I don't worry about what the haters are going to think. Uh, that's that's perfect. And I think that's you know, I've had to shift over the years and just become more realistic. I've also had to think, you know, my family, how much time am I out there spending, and you know, and and trying to chase something that they can't eat. Um, also, spend money on amount that my wife probably would rather us spend otherwise. You know, so there's all those things to factor in, but. Well, that sounds like, uh, you know, five more deer. Um, so what is that? Is that, what's the number? Like 16 deer in seven years? 
Uh, 16 and six years. 16 and six. That's pretty, Ben, you're doing pretty good there, man. Like I said, I don't, I don't know why God's blessed me so much in this area. You know, maybe he knows it's because we got mouths to feed or whatever, but yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we make sure that we have meat in the freezer, but we donate a lot of meat too. And, um, mm. even on Bible study nights, you know, we always, we cook for everybody that comes over. So if we have 15 people coming over, we cook for 15 people. And yeah. I'm like, Hey, just everybody knows we're having venison for dinner tonight. So, um, if that's not going to float your boat, we'll make you something else. But this is, this is what I'm grilling tonight. So, nice, uh, man. you know, it's, it's just been, it's been a awesome new journey, you know, over these last few years. So oh, that's cool. That's cool. It's neat to see how God's kind of blessed you and your family and just the things that are going on. And um, we're both in that kind of busy season of life. I think most people probably are. It always seems I've never met a person that doesn't seem like they're busy, uh, <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know. You kind of learn in those moments just to enjoy the moment and enjoy time with family and get out there and hunt when we can. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I was, I was super super grateful and um super blessed that you know even all throughout covid and everything that i was able to work the whole time and yeah uh, my wife was able to work the whole time and like i said she's a nanny here at the house and um you know her her bosses still had to work and i i had to work the whole time and i was i was grateful for it you know people like well why can't we get shut down and we can't have some time off. And I'm like, I can't afford to take that kind of time off. Mm-hmm. So like, it must be nice to have the kind of money you got, but you know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to work in my butt off while I can and work the overtime while it's available. And, yeah. uh, you know, guns certainly haven't gone out of style and six hours has been um, cranking them out. So I'm grateful. That's good. For That's good. Well, Ben, it's been awesome catching up with you, man. I, I've enjoyed this, enjoyed hearing your stories and hear what's going on with your family and all that. appreciate you kind of carving out some time tonight for us to be able to chit chat, talk about hunting and some of that other stuff. That was good. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Like I said, I mean, I, I'll talk to guys ears off at work and you know, they'll, they'll talk to me about something that maybe I'm not necessarily interested in, but I'm still going to lend them an ear and, yeah. you know, be neighborly to them or whatever. And, just because they don't hunt doesn't mean they're not going to listen to my story. So yeah. um, I'm always happy to talk hunting and fishing and anything else. So I'm the same way, man. And that's, that's the thrust behind this podcast. So I love having guys on again. So repeat guests and then also getting some new guys on. And But Ben, I want to thank you uh, for coming out again tonight, sharing your stories. And I hope to keep in touch with you. I, we've, we've become friends on Facebook. So I kind of follow along a little bit and we chit chat here and there. So I hope to have you back on again here in maybe a, another year or so and, and hear some more of those stories. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be taking out some new, some first time turkey hunters this spring. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully we'll get some good stories out of there. Oh, cool. Well, good luck, man. Well, it was good chat with you and I'll chat with you later on. All right. Yes, sir. Take care. Yep. Bye. Enjoyed catching up with Ben, a good storyteller, and just appreciate his dedication to his family. You know, there's a guy that cares about his family at at home, you know, taking care of his kids and giving them that time for 4-H and uh, the cows and all that. And and also, not only his his family at home, but you can just kind of hear throughout the conversation his church family and uh, his dedication to to being there and connecting with people and just supporting what's going on. tell you what working in a church there's there's what i consider a couple different kinds of people there's people that are just kind of pew sitters they just kind of warm a seat um they come they show up they're there um they're friendly and but then there's also people that kind of seem to be more invested um we kind of call those we we mentioned like in our church we call partners Uh, we don't want people to be members members just kind of show up and uh, demand things and they they come for different reasons they want to be fed or they want certain songs or they like the way that we do kids programs and it's all about what they get out of it. Um, but there's some other people there that really see a need to put into it. They partner with us and they, they try and make it be a better place. Um, they don't sit there and whine about things. They try and fix things. They try and uh, encourage people, get into people's lives. You know, that's something that we, we've tried to do more. Instead of just being a Sunday only thing, we want this to be real uh, we want to be in each other's lives, encourage one another. And so uh, just something for you to think about. Where where are you? Are you a church sitter? Uh, are you a partner with a church? Are you helping um, in some way, whatever way that you can? Guys, I want to thank you so much for coming back for another episode. I, I hope that you enjoy these and uh, that you keep coming back. Tell your friends about it. If you'd like to come on the show, there's that invitation again. And until next time, remember to 
shed the light.